Ah, yes, it is a comic retro show, and this is going to be more of a spotlight show because we're not going to have the full Monday show uh, today. We're going to have the full Monday show on Tuesday because I am not feeling well. I am very under the weather right now, which usually is the case because I'm a short fella. I've been told, right? Oh, my. But yeah, I, I'm I'm losing it here. I, I hope that I am able to get through this. And I'm going to be talking about one of the books that we are going to be talking about this week. And I'm still going to call this episode 157. And that's going to get me and Brandon on track with the even numbered shows for me and him. Now, with that, I said I'm going to be talking about the first part of Days of Future Past on Kenny X-Men number 141 from 1981. Tomorrow, though, me and Brandon will continue the show with Daredevil number 227 from 1986. That's the start of the Born Again deal. We have The Amazing Spider-Man number 31 from 1965, and then also Captain America 110 from 1969, and Wolverine number one from 1982, the four-part miniseries. We're going to start that. So we'll have a bunch of books tomorrow, but I didn't want to just go and go to bed without doing anything. It feels wrong. I had said there'll always be a Monday show, and so that has to be, even if that means that I'll be talking about a book by myself, and I could hardly breathe. I'm having problems. I really am. And the idea of me not having my Adderall has made my ADHD, it, it's like super ADHD today at least, and it's led me to get very frustrated and to want to strangle everybody. Because of my frustration also, it led to me trying to record this episode like 17 times. And I, I may be going low on the scale because I end up at points where I'm just reading and talking about this and I completely lose what the heck I was talking about and saying. I, I'm telling you, I'm a, what am I talking about? Is Daredevil? What's going on here? But yeah, I'll get through this, though. I will make myself get through this for all of us because it is Uncanny X-Men number 141 from 1981. Days of Future Past is the name of the issue, and it's the first part of what ends up being the two-part story, Days of Future Past. And I know that some people say, but Jim, there's a lot of issues that led up to this. That's true. We're only dealing with these two, so get off my back. We end up, it's written by Chris Claremont, art by John Byrne, inks by Terry Austin, colors by Glennis Ween, and letters by Tom Orzachowski. And if you heard at the beginning here, uh, a very, you know, pretty poor uh, rendition of Paul McCartney there on a Beatles song, this is a retro show, and I know a lot of people may not have even been born when this came out, but this is a story. Days of Future Past is one of the bigger stories. Obviously, they even had a movie based on this, though, changed up a bunch of things. And I think that this is one of those where a lot of people at least know the basis of the story, even if they haven't read it. And it isn't that complicated a story, uh, but that's why I love it. And and not just that, but because... You know, it's not, and and maybe in 1981 it was a little more complicated or looked at it like that. But since then, we've had so many 
of these stories of time travel, of going back or forward to fix something. I mean, Terminator, basically the same deal. You know, they're coming back to fix things in the meantime, trying to do all this stuff. So, yeah, maybe it's a little more easy to grasp now. But what I do like about it, there's a lot of things I like about it, and I'll get into that. But what I do also like about it is the idea that John Byrne on art it is helping do as much of the world building in this far future of 2013, which does make me chuckle. Um, but also just the characters and things like that. And it does allow Chris Claremont and, you know, they're working hand in hand here, but it does allow a storyteller to concentrate on more important things than spend three pages talking about how, the people of the 2013 rundown New York end up having to use public transportation that's being pulled by horses. And it's a awesome moment. It's an, you just see it. And that's awesome. That is really good. And so when you're reading this, you're going to get through the art and the script, a lot of real subtle things to get you on board as the story progresses. And I think that that's what I appreciate the most Of this, like I said, you start out in that far-flung future of 2013, going down Park Avenue. And you know Park Avenue, one of the swankiest neighborhoods in the city. Not in 2013. Uh, This 2013, it is a crap hole. I'm telling you, I'm looking at it, and you have, you know, boarded up windows. You got a mattress with the springs coming out. Yeah, basically, you have my room. You have my room here that I am recording in. Right now, uh, and it is a abandoned derelict slum. It says, again, my room. It's one of those things. My room's ears are burning because we're talking about it, right? Uh, yes. So you have Kitty Pride going through. She's on Sentinel Business. And, and this is the sort of thing going into this. And it is a shame that even me, moi, who barely watches a movie, let alone can watch a, a 15-minute cartoon, But I have seen Days of Future Past, but I know the idea of it. So when you do see a future kitty running through the streets, you know what's going on. But I kind of wish that I didn't. I kind of wish I could mind wipe myself and, and, you know, not go full out. I don't need a lobotomy per se. But, you know, and seeing her and, and just this first scene she's running, she has a medical kit, obviously, under one arm. She's wearing a jumpsuit kind of deal almost like uh, what a mechanic would wear, you know, the overalls with an M on it, right? And I'm thinking Kitty Pride. There's no M in that. You have her thinking, oh, uh, Logan, I wish you would have picked a safer part of Manhattan for our rendezvous. Oh, I wish there was a safer part of Manhattan. And so there's a lot of things going on here that, you know, I kind of know what is going so it kind of takes away the surprise and the coolness of it as you go because you end up having Kitty say that also said the swankiest part it's now a derelict slum this is the Big Apple welcome to the 21st century and you're like oh my well what happened you know and you go into there and then you go and get a close-up and you see that she has some sort of collar on it again now This is something that you could guess right away. Okay, it must be a power dampening color, but she's older in this, obviously. But she looks older than she even should because it's a tough deal that she's living in. She's like, oh, this is rogue territory. Now I'm thinking, 
oh my god it must be rogue but it isn't but she's like you know this is a place where sentinels wouldn't be looking for x-men this is why wolverine must have went there she ends up like oh you know i hope he ends up showing up soon i can get this done she ends up falling through a trap door goes down kind of a big plank that goes down she falls down underneath the streets and that's where we see these rogues this gang and i mean pretty much you have uh one guy looks like a bum one looks like an american and then the other one looks like he's there for the ultra violence and he's going to start singing singing in the rain they are a very diverse group here though i do tend to think that the american indian he looks more like he would be the guy at the end of Weird Science that tries to stop the party with a sawed-off shotgun, but then he kind of gets a gun pulled on if you've seen the movie. He kind of looks like him. He is going to pretty much flay Kitty, is what he says. Now, he recognizes her as a mutant. You're going to find out later it's because of these overalls having that M for mutant. And this is where you get that kind of subtle thing here and not subtle per se but instead of saying oh you know as she's walking through the street i have a collar on and i can't use my powers what she ends up she's upset because she's now gonna have to fight these guys and she has the inhibitor collar and she says oh this inhibitor collar i'm forced to wear neutralizes my powers to phase so if you don't know what kitty's powers were you're getting that as well i have to fight as a normal woman but you end up having Chris Claremont show that Kitty, without powers, is still one tough cookie. Kicks them right in the balls. In the family jewels, they are. Worst pain there is. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of weird science references here. Uh, and so the guy's crying, too. That's why I know he got it in the jewels. Uh, but Wolverine shows up then and says, okay, you ain't doing nothing there, bub. And this guy's like, well, you know, I may have just got kicked out. He's probably talking real high pitch too. Hey, short stuff. And he starts putting Wolverine down. Now, if you look you, and you see, you don't see full out because you do end up having Wolverine with his classic coat on with the pop collet, but he does not have an inhibitor. He also mentions, you know, and Kitty says, how's the Canadian resistance army? So we're seeing that. He is not under the control of the Sentinels, as Kitty has said she is, because he's up in Canada, but he can't pop the cause. If he pops the cause, that's going to set off an alarm to the Sentinels, because they are indeed in America, in New York, and he can't do that. He is just there to give Kitty a piece of uh, the jammer that they're making. They're making a, you know, a jammer that's going to be able to negate these collars while well, wolverine's there with the last piece gives it to her says hey the sentinels won't be able to track that it's made of something that they're not going to be able to see uh kitty's like yeah they, they're very thorough with their searches in the meantime they did take care of that rogues gang they were they were nonsense they were just there pretty much to show that wolverine couldn't use his you know claws while he's there and also that kitty has this inhibitor but she gets this piece and heads back off to her home as Wolverine goes off to do his deal. Now, Kitty's home, to get there, she does have to take a bus, a bus that is drawn by horses, as I said at the beginning. That's a really cool thing. It's a cool thing to see that that's how bad things have gotten, where you're going to some outdated modes, but you're using the remnants of what you have left. So you have a broken down bus, there's probably, you know, 
gas, no gas, oil, whatever, but you still have horses. You, you get the horses and have the horse-drawn bus. Uh, really neat. And then you get Kitty telling us all the concept of what's going on in the United States at this point. Uh, it is the year 2013 North America. There's three classes of people. You have humans. They get to go around with a big H on their coats. Kind of looks cool, right? You end up having A for the anomalous humans that are ones that do carry the mutant genes but aren't mutant themselves. It's one of those. It's a latent gene, but they could pass that on. They're not allowed to breed. The only ones who are allowed to breed are the pure humans because the mutants, they're the worst. And there's not a lot left, it seems, especially mutants that are X-Men. Uh, and they are the pariahs, the outcasts. And they are pretty much just made to live in internment centers, which it's the Holocaust because of the Mutant Control Act of 1988. They were hunted down, killed without mercy. A lot of, a lot of the mutants that we know and love, they are dead. And to show that, again, through the art, to make it really stick. And this is one of those things. This is what I talk about a lot, especially on the DC podcast. I love when a writer can get together with a artist. And this even says co-plotting by Byrne and Claremont. So they're, they're hand in hand where you don't need to have a narration that goes down a list. We don't need, you know, a list of all the mutants that got killed. The better way to do it is Kitty, after she does pass the very hands-on, you know, spot check to see if she's smuggling anything in. And I don't know where she's hiding. I don't want to know. I really don't. Maybe I do. But you end up where she has to go. And to get to the hole where she's going to live, the ghetto where she's living in this internment camp, she has to walk through the graves of all all of the dead mutants and not even just dead mutants dead heroes you have some that aren't necessarily mutants like a ben Grimm, and you see these headstones of all this and i think that what you also get now this is a little bit of a subtle deal that i really enjoy is the idea that some of the headstones like a, a kurt wagner or scott summers charles xavier ben Grimm, they're all there they're in disrepair they give the impression that they have been dead for quite some time, but also the fact that they are mutants, so nobody cares to take care of these headstones. They're just there to point out to these other mutants, look what happens if you go against us. They're not there to honor the dead at all. They, that's, that's nonsense. They are there as a warning, and they have been there for quite some time, but also then really gives you the urgency of, you know, the the mutants, the X-Men that are left, they want to end up doing something about this. Now, there's a little bit more urgency because before Wolverine left Kitty Pride, he did say, listen, the rest of the world, you know, I hear word out of London, they're kind of sick of the Sentinel deal that's going on. And, and again, it's one of those where it's kind of a neat little twist here because the Sentinels being in control and we find out that they ended up being, you know, instituted, then went full out wacko and end up killing everybody and now are ruling with this iron fist that the rest of the world does not like. So I love the idea that the North America, um, you know, the U.S. is in big, big trouble because of the Sentinels 
that also the X-Men hate, but they have to stop because if you end up not, then the whole North America is going to get nuked. So it's all the stuff twisted and turned. It's not just, hey, we got to get back to, you know, change this because we're the X-Men and we need to be the X-Men and the mutants. No, it's basically everybody is in danger. They have to save everybody by stopping this. And the only way they can figure out to stop it is to go back in time and make sure it never happens. Well, you end up having Kitty go and you see who is left of the mutants. And there's not many. There's Kitty. There's Storm. There's Colossus. There's Franklin Richards. There is Rachel Summers. And then there is Magneto who shows up on a... uh, on a what's called a wheelchair and then the funny thing is the play to me it makes it seem as if you are supposed to think it's xavier but we've seen he's one of the main tombstones that we went by so maybe you're supposed to be like oh man maybe that was wrong they, they got it no no it's magneto uh and he's there and and through this you end up where they have to go they have to stop this they have to get this disruptor made and he also, again, I said about the whole nuking North, that also sets a another bit of a time frame tension deal that they have to get it done very quickly as well. Uh, but when they're going, there's also that little bit of, you know, is everything going to be great if it's changed now? Because Kitty is married to Colossus here uh, and Colossus is afraid. I'm being selfish. I understand this. But if you go back and change things, Will our love be there? I mean, will we end up falling in love? Will we? And Kitty's like, you know what? I fell in love with you the first time I met you. Don't worry about that. But these sentinels and things, they they killed our babies. I mean, they they ended up, we got to stop it. I I don't care. If I come out of this and I hate your guts, it's going to be worth it overall. And Colossus realized, he's like, I am being selfish, but I kind of like you. And I, but. They do have a cool thing here, too, because knowing some of these characters, you have Franklin putting together this jammer. And yeah, Franklin, he's a smart fella. He's, you know, I like Franklin. Then what they're going to do is when they go in this room, they're going to set off the jammer that's going to jam the inhibitors. What you're going to then have is Rachel Summers use her, you know, extreme telepathic abilities to actually send Kitty's consciousness back to the younger self of hers to try to stop everything, send it back to exactly October 31st, 1980. Uh, And hopefully this will end up being able to change things. In the meantime, they are going to end up on the run because they also, if this doesn't work, they also are going to team up with Wolverine to head to the Baxter building in New York where, the Sentinels, that's their main base, and they got to stop the Sentinels. So it's one of those, if you know, if Kitty does not succeed, we still have to have a backup plan and try to stop this anyway. Well, Kitty's consciousness does go back, but before it gets there, we get a little bit of an inkling of what's going on with Kitty and the X-Men at that point where they are in the middle of some pretty extreme danger room training. Uh, Kitty ends up wandering and phases in. Hey, everybody, uh... Yeah, Nightcrawler, he said that he's going to be a little late. He's held up in the kitchen, and she's, like, right in the middle of the fray. She's not supposed to do this. Again, this sets up something really cool, especially now, 
I think. This actually plays out better now when you think about it because she doesn't know the rules. It's because she's new. And because she's new is the reason why they're using Kitty to send the consciousness back to her because this could be looked at. Say you went to send and of the ones remaining Colossus because he's right there in the danger room. If you ended up trying to send Colossus back to himself, it would he would be able to block that as a psychic attack. He might think that he's being psychically attacked. He's been trained to block that from Xavier. But because Kitty is so new, she hasn't had that training yet. So they'll be able to get that into her head. In the meantime, you're showing how much of a rookie she is. By her just walking in the danger room. I mean, you would think that the name danger room would mean kind of don't walk in. But, you know, she walks in. It's almost like if, if when I'm recording and my kids start trying to bang on the door and come in. I'm like, really? You better think of this as the danger room from now on there. And you ain't no kitty pride. Get out. So you end up, she walks in. Hey, guys. And you do see everything that they're getting attacked by. It's pretty cool. And then, again, it's the danger room. So it's all set up to go against them. Uh, but in the meantime, she freaks out. Kitty pretty much freezes like, oh, my oh my goodness, what's going on? And they now have to try to survive the training while also making sure Kitty doesn't end up getting killed. And you do end up having Angel, Wolverine, uh, Colossus, as I said already, Storm, uh, all in there. And she is – Kitty is like almost dead three times. Uh Finally, Colossus comes over, and the only way that he can save her, because she's falling from a distance. You ended up having Storm save her by getting her in like a little bit of a tornado. Then she went up in the air, then she fell. Colossus is afraid that if he ends up catching her in his armored form, she might end up getting killed because, you know, the impact. So he turns back to just his normal deal and catches her. And again, this is like... Is this where they fell in love? Love at first sight here. Uh, he ends up catching her, and then they're about to get squished by the pile driver, just just a giant press that's just gonna gonna kill him. Uh, they're freaking out, and that's where old Kurt Wagner shows up. Nightcrawler shows up as a grand entrance and hits the off button. He zoom. He just zooms and hits it. Hey, how about that for dramatic entrances? He's yelling. They almost end up in Colossus is like. They're inches from getting killed. Uh, but yeah, they're they're talking and they're like, hey, Kurt, where, where the hell were you? You ended up, you showed up late. All this stuff, you know, Kitty comes and, you know, sending messages from you, whatever. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, Storm. You know, I was watching the morning news with an interview about Xavier, about today's mutant hearings in Washington. Again, that's the setup to they got to get there because this is where all the trouble starts. Uh Kitty ends up there and this is Kitty has not had her consciousness Come back to her at This point Kurt goes over And it's like oh you know it's Okay because Storm's really throwing Shade at Kitty and you end up Kurt goes over don't don't you know be So harsh Storm you know she's Has a session coming up she's probably Just excited and he goes to like Put his arm around her and she kind of pulls Away and kind of you know Ends up eh. And gets antsy. And this is something that does bother. It makes him sad. And he says to Wolverine, I'm used to just this from strangers. I'm used to people, you know, thinking I'm a monstrosity and hating me. But fellow X-Men, when that happens, a friend and a fellow X-Men, it really does hurt. It makes me sad. 
And that's where Wolverine pretty much says, listen, and that's when she was Sprite. You know, like, Sprite's new. She just started, you know, this is the thing. Be patient because, you know, she's a rookie. And again, it gives you that deal of why she can be, you know, having her consciousness come back. Uh, they decide, well, since she interrupted us and had all that nonsense, we might as well get to her training. So set in, put in, you know, Kitty Pride, beep, boop, boop, Kitty Pride setting. All right, Kitty, you're up. Let's go. And she ends up going and she kind of gets scared to go through the danger room that has been set up by Xavier to pretty much, you know, attack her. She's going to she just closes her eyes and faces through everything pretty much done. And it's it's pretty cool. You just faces through. My God, the X-Men think that this is the most I've never in a comic seen Wolverine laugh this hard. He is belly laughing. He's grabbing his gut because he's basically saying, you know, and he says, Charlie, Charlie spent weeks programming this to, you know, be a challenge to her. And she closed her eyes and just walked through it. Oh, that's the best. I wish Xavier was here to see that. And they're all laughing. You have Kurt. He's laughing. He's hanging from the ceiling. Oh, man, back to the drawing board. Ah, They're all laughing it up. Well, you have Kitty's like, I guess I did okay. Did I do good, Storm? She's like, you did great. All of a sudden, whom, 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 where it says reality twist inside out for Kitty, she comes face to face with herself, an older, sadder, wiser, stronger self. And then her soul, too, is flung out over the abyss of eternity in her mind. She screams. She passes out. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Kitty, what happened? And they don't know, like, maybe she got hurt. Maybe she got hit in the head. Maybe something. And and you do see Kurt being the first one. But boom, he just teleports and grabs her and says, we've got to take her to the infirmary. And it's such a good moment to show how awesome Nightcrawler is and how good a guy he is. And they're like, okay, this is weird. I don't think anything happened to her. I don't think there was anything set up by Xavier to do this. Like, this wasn't a final, like, psychic test or something because everything shut down. You know, she was at the Everything shut down. So I don't know. And they're like, get her, you know, get her there, get kitten over my kitten. She better not be hurt, you know, and keeps calling her that storm keeps calling her kitten. Get her to the infirmary. Let's see what's going on. And they do. And they start looking and they're trying to figure out. And and they're like, physically, everything's okay. It seems, you know, I I doesn't see. But her mind, her brainwaves and you end up having, you know, them talking and you have Wolverine say her brainwaves are different. Like when she first got here. You know, they did the scan of her brainwaves. They're more, you know, complex now. They're more, they're not just the basic younger girl. This seems like she's older and they're trying to figure it out. They and, And one of the big moments that happens here that I love and showing you just if you don't realize that Kitty has come back, you end up having Kitty wake up and see Kurt and see that Nightcrawler is alive. And just says, Kurt, oh, my God, it's you. It's really you. And hugs him. And this is where two minutes ago she was, you know, antsy around him and, and kind of pulling back. Now she's like, you're alive. And he's like, yeah, what else would I be but alive? And then she is like, okay, uh, I'm in the meta lab in the mansion, Westchester. Okay, I guess I made it. And they're like, you're not making sense. You got to rest. Like, maybe you got hit in the head. And like, no, no, no. It's awesome. Rachel said. She can do it, but I really didn't believe it. And they're like, who is Rachel? 
And like, you know, what? What are you trying to do? What are you saying that this Rachel couldn't pull off or pull up? What's going on, kitten? And that's when she jumps up and says, kitten, it's been years since you called me that. And the the worst is, is that she seems in the art, she looks pissed. How dare you? I hated that. But she's like, no, no, no. You know, and, and you end up having Storm say, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I am okay, but I'm not Kitty. I'm not Kit. I'm Kate. I'm from the future. I'm 30 years older than you know that, you know, I'm coming back here to help out. And Storm does not believe it. Storm's like, no, I think you got hit in the head. I, I, are you drinking? Are you doing day drinking again there at the mansion? Is this turned into Buffalo? And uh, she's like, well, it's funny because when I talk to you in the future, you told me that you would be the one that I wouldn't be able to convince right away. It's all happening. And, yeah, they're they're trying to figure out what's going on. And the idea, they say, okay, I'm here to convince you. I have to do something. And she says, if this is Halloween, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants will murder presidential candidate Robert Kelly along with Charles Xavier and Moyer. Moira McTaggart and this is where you're fully like up until this point you didn't really know the full deal and it's it's well played out now again like I said if I I wish I could have the mind wipe because that oh my god but you kind of knew what that was because of the time and and how long ago the story came out and things um but she ends up saying Kelly's assassination will send an emotion a sequence of events that 30 years from now will culminate in the destruction of the world a nuclear holocaust I have to prevent that. That's why I'm here. And yeah, you end up where they're still not really, uh, you know, eh, I don't know about this. It kind of takes Wolverine who he ends up realizing like, yeah, I, I think she's telling the truth. Uh, you know, it sounds crazy, but I think that this is true because she is, you know, my instincts are going. She kind of smells like an older woman. It's like Wolverine knows the smell of the older ladies, he does. Uh, and he's like, crazy as it sounds there, Storm, but she's telling the truth. We we got to go do this. And then, then it comes down to what is what I would do if, if I ended up going back like, hey, just think of this. Uh, if I'm wrong, eh, we go to Washington, D.C. We have a nice flight on old Angel's plane. Uh, but if I'm right. You know, we have to stop this. So let's go. And they agree. And they go off to uh, Washington in Warring Worthington, the third's uh, private jet. And and it makes me laugh because I, being a guy who didn't grow up reading the X-Men or even Marvel Comics, uh, going to it, every time I do end up hearing that name, when I hear Angel's real name, Warring Worthington, the third, I always think of uh, Triple H's persona, the Hunter Hearst Hemsley. I don't know why. It always makes me think of that. But he kind of looks like him, too, a little. He's a big guy. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to go off then to Washington to stop this. In the meantime, uh, you end up being told the full story about how the Sentinel program ended up, you know, because you end up having these murders that allowed then the world pretty much all oh, mutants. They're the worst, even though, again, it's the brotherhood. It's the bad. But they don't mutants are mutants to people. And this allowed then a presidential candidate to pretty much run in 1984 on the platform of down with the stinking muties. You ended up having the first Mutant Control Act passed that ended up being able to get the reactivation of the Sentinels, who then went on a, a 
complete tear to eliminate everyone once and for all. And you do get a thing where you see all your favorite characters just crossed out. They're all dead. Hulk, you know, uh, the Human Torch, Iron Man, Spider-Man. So it's not just the mutants. It's every, and that's what it says in the process. They destroyed not only mutants, but non-mutant super beings, both heroes and villains by the turn of the century. And that's why, that's the explanation of why all these other characters, like a Dr. Doom or a Vision, they're all dead, Daredevil. And uh, yeah, Kitty's like, we, we fought, but we lost. We lost so many people. We lost so many things there. Um, but, you know, as you ended up having this, the Sentinels just went a little bit too far then. And this is where I think that that is a crucial thing in this little story that makes it that much better it's not just i said it already but i i just want to repeat it it's not just the sentinels they killed all the mutants and the superheroes oh man we got no it's that the rest of the world hates the sentinels too and are afraid of them because they're all crazy and putting people in you know internment camps and now they're gonna nuke north america and that's our cue to go back to the far-flung future of 2013 where like i said you end up having wolverine join up with the remaining X-Men, including an unconscious kitty that they're actually carrying through the sewers of New York to try to get to the Baxter building as a secondary backup plan. Let's go and hit the Sentinels where they live, where they hurt. Um, while they're doing this, they do mention that Xavier, or Xavier, I'm sorry, uh, Magneto is not there. Magneto ended up sacrificing himself to allow them to escape. Again, you even have Wolverine say, well, he wouldn't have been the best with that wheelchair. He would, And I think that's the reason why he's not there is because they couldn't really have him going through the sewers in a, a wheelchair. So he sacrificed himself, which is cool. And he's old. He was going to die. So they, you know, and that gives Magneto a hero moment. Uh, that's pretty cool. And. Uh, you would, and they again, you don't really play off of it, but again, there's a Magneto who got out of the, you know, the Holocaust only to enter into another one and something that he really never wanted to have happen, but was part of why it did. And so you end up there, though, that they're going through the sewers. They end up not having their collars on, so they can be tracked. It seems the Sentinels find them, rip open the sewer, and pretty much just fry Franklin dead. Franklin's dead and now you're again you're you're adding on to the tension of having to change this future now Franklin's dead and as it, we have you know whether or not you care Magneto's dead as well Rachel freaks out because in this future Rachel and Franklin are married or boyfriend girlfriend she freaks out she wants to take it to the sentinels they're trying to stop she does attack because she does not have the inhibitor neither do the rest uh and then you have a battle and it's a cool thing to show that even older mutants the older x-men who haven't been doing anything haven't been training they don't have a danger room they've had these inhibitors on they end up going and storm colossus rachel they all take it to these sentinels and do a good job and then wolverine just slices and dices them uh as well so it, it's a pretty cool deal as that is going on as they're trying to get to the baxter building and they're just kind of wrecking house as they go they are going through a bunch of sentinels as that's going we go back to the past then where you see that all of this 
is being all of the brotherhood, all of the new brotherhood of evil mutants is being set up by Mystique, who has gotten into the Pentagon. And then you see that it's Mystique and you have her team, Avalanche, Destiny, Pyro and Blob. And with that, they hate each other. They end up fighting this whole time. And it is a kind of a funny deal where you have Blob and Pyro are just at each other's throats. Avalanche even gets involved. But the big thing is Destiny, who is a precog, and Mystique says, okay, you know, how are things going to go? Does it still look like we're, you know, on the right track here? And she's like, I don't know. Something's weird here. Something added. There's there's an anomaly that showed up that it, it's making everything blurry, but let's go on with it. And like I said, yeah, Blob and Pyro fighting, insulting each other, trying to kill each other until Mystique is like, stop, you jerks. I mean, we have a job here. We're supposed to be a brotherhood. And you, you even have at points where Blob, uh, they're all like, I ain't t- listening to a lady, like a lady leading this. This is ridiculous. Mystique says, you better start, you know, behaving and you better show me a little respect because I may not be Magneto, but but I can pretty much take care of you easily. So stop it. And they're going to go forward. And there are in the United States Senate, they are having this big to do where they're having this whole mutant uh, you know, symposium and things like that. And you do have Senator Kelly, who we know is a guy who was against mutants. But even before, you ended up having uh, Kitty say, you know, the senator, he's not a bad guy. He just, he has convictions. He might be misguided, whatever. But he's not exactly a, a bad guy. But he's talking about how, you know, the mutants shouldn't be allowed to be, you know, as big as they are. We got to watch out for him. Things like that as... Uh, Moira and Xavier are there to try to, you know, stop this mutant registration deal. Um, and that's where you would end up if if the X-Men wouldn't have been there, you would have had the Brotherhood show up and just murder these three. And that would set everything in, in you know, the process going. Uh, instead, you have our X-Men arrive and go into the gallery of this big, you know, Senate deal, the Senate hall. And Xavier sees them. And in a way, because he has to find out what's going on, but he, he can read minds and he can talk to him. So it's pretty clever where he's like, hey, Storm, uh, what's going on? She's like, well, let me tell you. He's like, you don't have to tell me. And it's like one of those where everybody reading it knows we don't have to go over this again. So I'm just going to read your mind so I know what I should know. And they're like, all right, yeah. And then. He ends up even seeing through Kitty and all this that this is legit, that this is something that we have to stop. Uh, as you even have, I, I love it, Angel shows up and everybody, then you have Wolverine in the crazy suit and the white hat. Everybody's there as this goes on. And that's where the Brotherhood end up bashing through and it's like, I'm Mystique. My colleagues and I comprise of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. We're the future of humans. Resist us at your peril. We are now going to take you out. We're going to kill all of you. We're going to get rid of the menace, Kelly. And then in the meantime, also Xavier and Moira. But it's stopped. It's stopped for the time being here. At least there's a face-off going on because there's a lightning bolt. 
And then you see that the X-Men have changed and there's Storm, Colossus, Wolverine, Kitty, Nightcrawler, and Angel. And I like it too because they really keep saying that Blob has been in jail for this long time where they're like, we're the X-Men. And Blob's like, I only recognize that wing bozo there. All the rest of you guys, I don't know who the hell you are. It's kind of a funny little line. Um, But yeah, you end up having Storm say, if you mean to harm Senator Kelly Mystique or anyone here, you'll have to go through us to get him. She says, all right, kill him. And that's how you end. This is next time out of mind. And it's really good. It really is. It's one of those where a lot of times you go back to issues and you'll sit there and say, Okay, the concept was clever for the time, but man, it's a tough read. Or, eh, you know, it's pretty fun, but it doesn't feel as important as it did, you know, probably then or whatever. This still feels very fresh to me. And I know that some people are probably like, you're insane, but I love the art. I love the way you gradually get into the story. There's not a lot that I don't like about the way things are presented. that the big thing would be is I want to see more. I'm I'm kind of upset that we didn't get to see more of what was going on and things like that. And again, though, in one issue, in my mind, you're getting as much story as you would get nowadays in six, especially with some writers like a Brian Michael Bendis. You might get more out of this one issue than 12 with him. And that is shade. But it's really good. It's really, really good. And it's one of those where I I don't know why anybody wouldn't read it. Everybody who's listening, anybody who's a Marvel fan, even if you're not an X-Men fan, you can get into this because most of us, like me, even if you're not an X-Men fan, you know most of the X-Men in this. And you know, and you might have even seen the movies. I've seen all the X-Men movies. I love them. Uh that is my only exit. So going into this, you can really get going, and it's really, really fun, really cool, and it's got all those stakes in that future deal, and, and it's pretty cool. So uh, overall, I'm going to give it a 9.4. I'm going to give it, and mainly because it is a lot of setup, which it has to be, but, you know, and also I, I don't want to go too good. People will throw shade at me if I give it a 10, so... 9.4 it is and uh, I hope that you enjoyed this like I said this is kind of a spotlight because of that I kind of went into it a little more in depth than we would normally do since I knew that this would be the only book but again we're going to come back tomorrow we're just going to have podcast after podcast daily podcast it is from now on but I will remind everybody what I told you at the beginning of what we will be talking about daredevil number 227 We are going to be talking about The Amazing Spider-Man number 31. That's from 1965. And uh, Brandon has said that he had trouble getting through that. So we'll see. Captain America number 110, that is my pick for this week. Uh, And it is the Jim Steranko Captain America. That next week we'll talk about 111 and then we'll skip to 113, which is part of this three issue arc and brandon picked wolverine he picked the four issue miniseries that came out in 1982 so we'll start obviously with the number one so we'll do that tomorrow i hope everybody's enjoying this we're trying to figure out what to do while there isn't any new comics and i hope that you like some of these classic things i do and it's helping me it's actually making me i I have a lot of problems with just saying uh, if you said to me right now and just everybody at once said to me hey jim 
you should read some classic stories on the Marvel app. Because of the way my brain works, what I would end up doing, and, and this does kill me. This is what happens. I will spend seven hours making lists of what I should read and reading everybody else's list of top X-Men stories, top you know, top Black Panther stories. Then I'll go on the app and go through and look at the covers. Then I'll go back on my, and the next thing you know, a whole day has passed. I haven't read crap. This is what happens. This is the problem. So when we do have this stuff, and and we do on the Patreon, and and I'll tell you if you would, lo- I'd love it if you'd support us on the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Weird Science. But people on the Patreon, especially the highest levels, the bad butts, we have a lot of lists. We have a lot of polls. That's because that's how my brain works. And what really does work though is having people pick something. And making me read it. That, that's the best because then, then I have to concentrate. Then I have to sit there and say, all right, I have to read Uncanny X-Men number 141. Okay, I have to read Daredevil 227. These are the things that I need. That's where when we put the caveat of being able to pick what we do, it kind of is a backdoor thing for me to get people to crack the whip to make me do something because I do need that. That's kind of, you know, why I, found my lovely bride tanya who likes to yell at me and make me do things i kind of need that and i recognize that now i'm i'm telling i'm insane and i cannot i i wish that i could really really i stress that if you ended up me and all of you were hanging out you know just you would see i i just walk away at points and i have other issues as well that go with the adhd that make it even worse uh, but I hope that this was uh, enough. I hope it was focused enough to talk about uh, this stuff and for you to enjoy something that you could get as I enjoyed it, because this was the first time that I fully read through this issue. Uh, so I hope that you got that. I hope that you got the, you know, the joy and and, and the, you know, the hope, I don't know, of, of me reading through. But again, uh, we end up, uh, we're on a Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. If you follow us, we'll follow you back. We have a website that we're dealing with a lot of retro stuff and a lot of stuff that is like the synopsis stuff or a recap of full series, full trades. But that's at weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. And as I said, we also have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where you can go to support us for this podcast. But I I always say, but I hate to just say, hey, you know, support us for what we're doing, because quite frankly, when you don't support, we're still going to do this. So what I wanted to do was offer a lot of stuff on the Patreon so that if you did join, you would get stuff in return, not just, hey, you know, give us money for something that we're going to do anyway. But we have a lot of shows, including a daily uh, daily show that each day and I'm on it actually just start but I'm on the 13th straight day of doing a Marvel and a DC review each and every day and today I ended up doing the Punisher number one on the Marvel deal and the concept of it is is for me to recap some stuff that we fell off of on the regular podcast or didn't cover so that when we do get back to the regular books, I'll be caught up and we can add some more spice and variety to the podcast. Some things also, you know, kind of basically the same concept as the Marvel, uh, Marvel X-Men catch up show. 
that I'm doing that I hope everybody's enjoying as well. But I hope you like this little bonus episode of just me talking way too long uh, about the uh, Uncanny X-Men, the first part of Days of Future Past. So uh, thanks, everybody, and thanks for listening. I hope everybody stays safe. I hope everybody's feeling okay. I am now going to see if we have any medicine. And I'm, I'm going to go to bed. So thanks, everybody. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow with the other big show.